Mark Maxson, an African-American, was convicted in 1992 uh, for a killing of a six-year-old boy in the city of Chicago. It seemed that all the evidence and all of, uh, of the situation conversations led up to this conviction. Um, and not a couple of weeks ago, the judge, uh, looking at, again, the evidence that was uh, brought before um, the courts, news came out that the judge decided to overturn um, this case from 1992 and let Mark um, go. It was a day of celebration on the south side of Chicago because what was known as a serial crime in the city um, came to this family as good news because their beloved son, their beloved husband, is now let go. Not too many months uh, earlier, Eddie Bolden, another uh, gentleman, African-American, on the south side of Chicago, was also released on April 19 for a charge that was levied against him um, for the very same thing, a double murder um, conviction, where he would, would, would be behind bars for 22 years. Um, both gentlemen serving uh, multiple years in prison, and the judge decides to overturn the case and let these two uh, individuals go because what they thought was a conviction, what they thought was evidence, ended up being wrongfully charged against, against them, and they found other individuals who would be the ones who'd be serving most of their life gone in many ways. Two, three decades of serving behind bars uh, in prison. Uh, and some of us might say, well, that's, that's what we would call injustice. That's what we would call is something wrong in our society. How come they didn't know then that these individuals were, um, were actually innocent? Why were they charged for these crimes that um, the government and the, and the courts felt, or even the authorities, the officers felt that the evidence was toward them? And I think most of us can look at some of these stories in our modern contemporary uh, time, and maybe it's been a situation in our own life where injustice, um, someone has accused us of wrong, someone has treated us um, uh, unfairly. Uh, maybe it was a family member that, that hurt us with words or, or even actions, physically harmed us, I mean, because that goes to the next level, from verbal harm then to physical harm. And we look at the life of Joseph and we say, wow, Joseph, and then we look at Mark Maxson and we look at Eddie Bolden, these contemporary individuals who, who had, had everything against them, society, uh, the courts, the officers that were charged them of, of the murders that were set before them, the families that incurred the, the crime because they lost someone, also said these people were guilty. This individual was guilty. Let him go rot in prison for the rest of, a, of their lives. And then all of a sudden, on these particular day and time, a judge decides to let these individuals go. And now these families are wondering who then is to be charged these murders, um, who then will stand um, as the person pointed. Well, there was much celebration on the accounts of these individuals that were wrongly accused for the crime that they did not commit. And much to, as we look at the story of Joseph, is similar. Um, we have a family that is broken by, by many, many um, evidence as we look at it. The, the life of Joseph and his family shows us 
how broken a family can get to where brothers and brothers do not like each other, do not love each other. Matter of fact, there's favoritism in the home. And I pray that's not your situation right now. Maybe it was at one time, and you are trying to free yourself from it. Joseph is a reminder for us about the pit stories and the dreams that we um, long to have. The pit stories are our valley seasons. The pit stories are, are what is most common to us. We, we like to share with people our pit stories. You know, uh, not too long ago, we, we, this is what we love to do. Oh, I remember when. Tell me your pit story, and it will probably be a graphic one, one that is filled with um, discouragement, one that is filled with sorrow, one that is filled with lots of pain. Your pit stories are easily uh, able to emerge out of your own life because they're real. They're real experiences um, that you and I um, uh, live and and have um, gone through the, the valleys with. What I often find is the dream stories are those positive ones, the ones in which we see God's hand. And by the way, God is also in the pit stories, aren't they? Um, in your greatest dif- difficulties and greatest challenges and your greatest moments of, 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 of trial, God is still present in those difficult moments and He is reigning. And the problem is we, we get off kilter and we don't see it and we don't see fully what God is doing because it might be a fog at this moment in time. But God says this to you, what you thought was for evil, God meant it for your well-being. God meant it for the good of many, many people. God meant it good for your own personal life. Now, the pit stories are the ones that we often can um, look to, and, and we see uh, the, the greatest sorrow of our life. And so today I want to look at two different perspectives about how both pits and dreams um, are shattering Joseph's own personal um, uh, morale, if, so to speak. And, and we looked at the psalmist because the psalmist gives us a window into time. Um, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, Psalm 105, 17 through 22. And if you're not familiar with this psalm, I, I like you to write this down because this psalm will guide you through the rest of our series as we go through each chapter here all the way to the end. Psalm 105, 17 through 22, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Notice the condition of Joseph. His feet were, were hurt with fetters. I mean, he had chains around his feet like a slave. If you can put a picture of what the, uh, of what the civil um, war was like and when we had slavery in our country, we put, we put African Americans in chains. And if you can think even beyond the United States and go around the world and, and see slavery as, as if you were to research it, it's a horrible situation. It's a horrible place where, where we would take a, a, a living image of God and trap them in chains and bind them so that they are unable to be free. But this is Joseph's situation. He's hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Can you now just picture the condition of Joseph as he's leaving his father's home? 
of what he knows to be his place where he can find rest. And even in tumultuous times that he's living, because he knows his brothers don't like him, we know that, that the brothers have an ill feeling about who he is as a person. You know, and Joseph doesn't help with the situation as we look at it. I mean, he has these dreams as a, as a young 17-year-old, and he needed probably to be quiet with them, but yet he goes out and it says, I got a dream, brothers. But one day you're going to You're going to bow down. You're going to bow down before me. He learns quickly that these, this dream that probably should have been kept quiet because his brothers were immature and unable to handle it, but his father kept these things in his heart very close to him. Because when dreams show up, it's something that God wants to communicate to the individual in the story of the Old Testament. Please write that down somewhere on your notes because it's very important. When we look at the biblical record of the Old Testament, when God shows up and God speaks, He'll either do it through a vision or He'll do it through a dream or He'll do it audibly to God's servant so that He might show Himself as the covenant-keeping God for all time. And so when God shows up in the life of Joseph through a dream, God is speaking to the, the biblical audience that I am the God of the covenant, I am the God of the promises, and I have a word that I want you to know and understand that you would right, rightly walk in them. And that's where we are in chapter 39 and uh, chapter 40. An iron, a, a collar of iron was put around his neck until we had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The Lord of the word tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. And he made him lord of his house, the ruler of all his possessions, to bind his prince at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. God prepares the way for you and I during great times of disappointment to show that he is a steadfast, giving God and his steadfast love and kindness goes before us so that we might be mature to walk in his ways. God is loyal to Joseph. In chapter 39 in Genesis, verse 21, we find that, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You should underline that. That's a, that's a central teaching of Scripture that God is hesed. He is a loyal loyal Lord to us, a giving, self, selfless giving God uh, who is sacrificial in his love and nature toward um, those um, he loves. He is kind. He's merciful. He is good. He's faithful. He's loyal. That's your God that you worship today. He's loyal. He's a loyal God. He never goes against his promises. He always accomplishes that which he set forth out for you and I to have. And so God, God is working in this story. I want you to see God today. I want you to see him as, as the central key figure behind all of the trials and all of the circumstances that Joseph is right now going through at this very spot. The psalmist is clear. He's in prison. He's going through difficulty, and you and I will go through storms. 
You and I will face injustice. You and I will be betrayed. You and I will, will, will feel unloved. You and I will be trapped by a collar, by chains. And, and we have to realize that the, the, the giver of the dream, the giver of all the promises given in Scripture, are, they find their yes in the Lord, and they find our, their yes even as we claim them for our own. And so as we look at this story for Joseph, he knows that the Lord goes before him. And so prison, if you can write this down somewhere, maybe in your Bible or in your notes, that, that prison for Joseph becomes the school for him. It's, it's the way that prepares him forward as he gets out of prison. He needs prison to soften his heart toward the things of the Lord. And you and I will go through those times of a prison-like experience, and, and it might be that injustice that you face this week or in your life. It might be the hurt that you receive from a, from a sister or a brother or father or mother. It, it might be the, the lack of love that you have felt over the years And that's the prison that you are experiencing right now. It might be even the promises that have been broken by an employer. He said, or they said, that they would give so much, and at the end, you find out that it's not what they said. You thought the promises that they had laid out in contract form was not what they intended to do. And so you feel betrayed. You feel that there is a mistrust. See, all of us go through a prison-like experience so it becomes the place where God is working in us so that spiritual growth might be um, shown for what it is. And here it is. Joseph is thrown into prison. Now, prison is not the Andy Griffith show. You know, where Otis comes in. I love that show. I watch it. Like, I, you know, I, at the end of the day, turn it on. I enjoy it. Watch it for an hour. Otis comes in. He's the drunker of, of Mayberry. He comes in, and he, he's, you know, he's the drunker, and he just kind of lets himself in and lets himself out. And Barney just doesn't like this. I mean, the whole show is based on how Andy's the, the forgiving sheriff who just kind of lets these people come in and go and, and freeze them. So we're not talking about the jail here. We're not talking about what's in, in Aurora, the jail. We're, we're not talking about the Kane County Jail. We're talking about a messed up, dug out hole in the ground and where prisoners are sent in and they literally live in a hole. Can you imagine that? that that's what a prison was like during the time of Joseph. We think like these ironclad, you know, gates and bars and Uh, I want you to think like a pit. He was thrown like in a pit like the time of Daniel when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Thrown into a pit, very similar to what his brothers did in an empty well. Thrown into a hole where he could not get out, where he was trapped. And we're told that he was there for at least two years. Two years. Because Potiphar's wife said that he that he came in to her to laugh and to have uh, sexual relationships um, with her. And that was a lie. That was the lie that, that was thrown against him. So I want you to see, number one, on your outline, that God, God, God's faithfulness during your difficult days, 
I want you to see that God is always faithful during your difficult days. The faithfulness of God during difficult times of life. Can you name a time in your life where you were facing some difficulty like a Joseph? For him, it was prison. But why don't you go a step further out and say, what were some times in your life where you experienced a prison-like experience, where there was injustice, where there was a lack of loyalty, a lack of love, a lack of mercy shown to you, you were accused of wrong when that was even wrong in itself. I want you to remember when you go through those difficult days like Joseph does, while he's in prison for at least two years, while he has had this um, accusation charged against him of rape, of, of sexual misconduct, he has been faithful. He has been true. And, and here he is, a stranger in the land, an alien, a, a, an outsider, and he's being mistreated, mis, um, thrown into prison, and he can't speak. He has no judge. He has no uh, district attorney on his side. All the charges are against him. His color, his foreignness, his lack of citizenship, he has nothing. And when you have nothing, you're at your lowest point at time. The steadfast love and kindness of God is proven during difficult seasons, during difficult moments, during difficult situations. And they become the testing for Joseph, a school-like experience, a place where training, where he gets to find that that, oh, well, Lord, you are reigning. You do have your, your good intentions for me, and you will get me out of this situation. You will reign, oh, Lord, through this difficult moment. I was reading, um, uh, I have a, what's called Logos Bible Software. It's a computerized um, program on my laptop, and it has commentaries and different um, um, literature books and um, for for Bible study and one of the books I have set is um, the the um, different biographies of different missionaries and one of the missionary it pops up every day is a short little devotional of, of the life of, of different um, saints of old who who have struggled or who've shown positive change in their life and Adirine Judson was one of the things that popped up this week um, great missionary to Burma. Uh, and during his um, missionary um, activities, he was thrown into prison for Bible translation work uh, amongst the people. He grew despondent and discouraged and sad. And at one point um, in his biography, he was willing to abandon the work that God had called him. and said, I, I'm, I'm done with it. I, I, I just want to go back home, uh, let the people die, let them suffer um, this work is, is a fruitless work. I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, for him, it was despondency. For you, it might be the same. Um, looking at your situation with a, a depressed heart, you're doubting maybe the Lord's favor in your life, and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. And for him, it was an encouraging letter that he received from one of his friends. His friend wrote this, Judson, how's the outlook in your life? Adoram Judson writes back, the outlook is bright as the promises of God. 
through despondency, through depression, through heartache, through fever, through um, people not responding to the gospel for him. It was the outlook are the, sure as the promises of God upon his life. And I so say to you today that, that as, as God himself has promised in the scripture that he will be with you through each and every difficult moment in your life, you can have the sure hope that the steadfast love of God, his kindness that he gives to Joseph in Genesis 39 will be with you through your hardest and most difficult moments in your life. Verses 1 through 4, chapter 40, some, and after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, the pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief cupbearer and the chief uh, baker, and he put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. He was confined. So now we enter into two other individuals because of some misconduct, because of some wrong that they did to their king, their pharaoh, too, are now with Joseph in this, this terrible prison, this terrible place, a hole in the ground. And they, too, are wondering about their life and whether they're going to live and whether they're going to have freedom ever, ever again. Joseph is a reminder of God's faithfulness during difficult seasons. We get a picture here that the captain of the guard is no other than Potiphar. Potiphar was um, the, the individual that, that brought Joseph into his house. And, and we, it, we seem that it's God's providential nature that he's the one also over this, prisoner, prison, um, this prison camp, so to speak, as we look at chapter 40. That these two individuals who are serving on behalf of the Pharaoh of the king of Egypt is not happy at what's happening um, with his situation. You know the cupbearer is the one who drinks um, of the cup before the, the king should drink of the wine. And the cupbearer is there just in case someone has poisoned the cup or the drink, that the cupbearer would take all the infliction, all the pain, and actually he would die on behalf of the king. I mean, this is something I would not want that job. Someone's going to kill the king eventually, so you, you're going to take the fall for me. Well, so, so that's that first occupation. Here's this guy. He's done some offense. We're not sure exactly what the offense is outside of that. It angered the king, and so he gets put in jail, right? You're like, well, that just seems like that's another injustice. It, it doesn't point out, and I think that's what Moses is trying to do here. He's trying to paint the picture that here Joseph has been, has been um, given this charge against him. Now there's these two other individuals who are part of the cohort of the king who also, we don't know exactly what happened. We infer within the text that they did something to upset the king. Okay? Maybe the wine that, that the uh, pharaoh was going to drink was, you know, was you know, just not tasteful. And the cupbearer was supposed to tell him that. And when he went to drink it, he spit it out. He's like, oh, that, you're going to prison for that. Maybe for the baker, it was burnt bread. I mean, that's what they ate then. They ate bread, and maybe it was the bread was sour. Maybe the bread was burnt and did not find a pleasant taste to the king, and that was enough. Send them where? Send them to prison. Well, these two individuals are now with Joseph in the text, chapter 40. 
They're with Joseph, and they begin to have these dreams, uh, this dream at night. Now, now the, as you look at the chapter, you're like, well, this, you know, dreams, dreams, and what? Dreams. And, and if you don't get the Old Testament, the Old Testament is filled with dreams. I mean, just do a word study alone, you'll find that dreams are appearing in multiple verses, in multiple texts here in Genesis alone. And I said it at the beginning of, of, of the beginning part of the message here is that, is that if you don't understand dreams in the Old Testament, then you're going to miss maybe the central, uh, central theme of the covenant-keeping God. This is how God is showing up in the nation of Israel. This is how God is speaking His covenant relationship with His people. He wants them to know that He is the God of all times. He can both speak and he can also deliver on his promise. And these are just little, little ways in which God is revealing to his people that he's the faithful one of old. He is the covenant one, loyal one, merciful one, kind one. And you just need to trust him in those difficult moments when you feel like he is not speaking. He has not shown up to rescue you from your prison, from your difficult circumstances. And so God here, number two, shows us that He is the providential plan for your life and for my life. God is going to use the prison for Joseph and these two individuals to show up and show us in the verses to come that God has this all planned out in order to bring Joseph out of prison, in order to use Joseph's gifts to save many, many, and hundreds and thousands of people from famine. God is going to use Joseph as, a, as an instrument of his grace, as an instrument of mercy and compassion, because God is concerned about those who go hungry. God is concerned about those who don't know the gospel. And this is why when we get to the epistle of Peter, he says, this is why I'm slow, slow in my kindness, slow in my judgment, because I want what? I want all people to come to repentance. Amen? Some of us want Christ to come back today. Some of us ought to be thinking that He gives us one more day, one more hour, one more second, because God is slow in His coming, right? Because He wants all people to come to repentance. That gives what? That gives a missionary one more day to present what? To present the truth of God's loyal love that He has shown throughout all of Scripture. It gets one more opportunity to share the love of Christ to our, our neighbor. God has this all worked out, and He has it worked out in your life as well. God's providential plan are, are, are happening right now today, both today and in the future God has it all together. He has it under control. While it looks very dismaying to us, and it looks like life is out of control, it looks like things going on in our country is like, oh my goodness, Lord, how much worse can it get? God has it under control. And when we look at the life of Joseph and we say, whoa, Lord, this is getting worse and worse and worse. We, we see him in a pit in a well. We see his brothers take a, 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 his, his cloak, his robe of many colors, put blood on it, go home, tell his dad that he's, de- he's dead. He's your dead son. An animal came and killed him. He's no longer here, dad. Lie, mistreat, 
injustice, sold into slavery, taken into a country that was not his own, into a language that he did not understand, into a religious system that he knew not, know not what it should be like. And yet he lives and he is trapped by an iron collar around his neck, chains around his feet, sold into slavery, mistreated, maligned, put in jail, put in prison, put in a pit. That's his prison. That's the school that God has entrusted him so that he might find spiritual growth, he might find godliness, he might see a change. God has this all together. Providentially, he's working out his plan right now. And he uses these verses, he uses these conversations, he uses these decisions in which, in which you're like, well, that's, you know, these baker, he, he burnt bread. You know, the cupbearer didn't let the, the Pharaoh and king know that he shouldn't drink that wine. But God's proving his way. He's proving his way through it. And so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me. So he's giving a picture of his own occupation. Here's the dream. And please write this down somewhere that dreams give a picture of something to come. They're very prophetic. They're prophetic in which God wants to give us a window into time to see. He paints the picture for us. And sometimes dreams are, are very difficult to interpret. Uh, some dreams are they're filled with imagery and illustration that we, we, we have a hard time trying to get our minds around. But for this, we get it. We get what, what Joseph gets to do is interpret what this, these two dreams look like. And what they mean. And one is it's directed toward the occupation of the, of the cupbearer, the, the vine. He says, this is an interpretation. Three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you, to, restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were in the cupbearer. Giving some light and giving some hope to the, the baker. The baker says, well, what about, what about my dream? Can you, you, you seem to interpret. This is good. He's getting out of jail. He's, he's going he's gonna to arrive back at home. His occupation is going to be restored. Praise God. What about me now? Tell, my, tell me my dream. Because I've been up all night. <laughs> You've had some dreams, haven't you? They've been disturbing in your life. We'll get to that in a little bit. But these were disturbing dreams for these two individuals. In some ways, they were disturbing dreams for Joseph. Because he had to communicate some some news to one, of the, to one of the dreamers that wasn't so good. And you could read on your own here, he says in verse 16, the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable to Joseph. He says, I also had a dream, and there were three cakes, <laughs> baskets on my head, and the uttermost backs, baskets were all sorts of baked foods for, for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. Can you just now see what that looks like? Birds coming and pecking at your head. I mean, this doesn't look so good. But he's hoping that, hey, the cupbearer got good news. Maybe I too will have some good news. Can you imagine Joseph's countenance at this point? Because he knows what? He knows the prophetic utterances that were given to him, right? He's able to interpret dreams. And he says, it doesn't look toward good to you, baker. In three days, what? You're going to be hanged. You're going to die. You're going to die and suffer. 
One gets good fortune. One gets good news. The other one, in a couple days, you're going to what? You're going to die. You're not going to live anymore. And you know, a good thing about Joseph is he knows all the situation, right? He sees these individuals. He's able to see and experience um, life with them for these short little days. And they're in jail and, and they're in prison. They're trapped. And yet God is trying to show us his providential care that he has this all under control because the dream that he interprets, they come true. These two people are brought out of, out of, out of prison. Cupbearer is restored and, and he is full delight. And, and the baker, he dies. He suffers. And so God's providential plan over your life right now Right now and in the future is preparing you to receive something. And for Joseph, it was a promise that he would eventually get out and rule over the nations in the chapters to come. I want you to see that, that God's providential care and kindness is, is working in his situation right here. Say, what about the dreams, though? <laughs> because I had a dream last night. How about you? Did you have a dream? You ever, ever told people your dreams? Some of them are crazy. I mean, some are just really crazy, aren't they? I mean, these are crazy stories. These are crazy dreams. Um, I told uh, a um, dream uh, to my daughter, Rebecca, about her teeth getting pulled out. Not sure why that happened, but, I mean, it was not too long ago. She got her somewhere teeth pulled out. And, and um, um, I got the estimate, and so I said, well, I can do the dentistry. I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. Uh, and that was the dream. So I went out to my... Uh, toolbox and got some pliers out and actually I, it, it felt like I was doing it and, and I got so disturbed in my dream I woke up don't you aren't you thankful when you wake up and you realize I'm not the one doing that that's not happening okay so you're like well where do dreams come from <laughs> right where do dreams come? They, 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 they're subconscious in some ways but the scripture is very helpful for us to know the first way dreams come is that there are a lot of cares in your life Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 3 says this, that as a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. Catch that again in Ecclesiastes 5, 3. As a dream comes when there are many what? Are many cares in your life. Tomorrow's a new day, new work week, right? For many of us, we'll go. We're going we're to have many cares that go through us throughout that day. And, and if we don't give those cares to the Lord, we'll go to bed at night and we'll rehearse those in our mind through dreams. That's interesting. Number two, uh, another way dreams come through is life, similar to number one that I mentioned, was life's anxieties can bring about certain dreams, such as being deprived of certain necessities of life such as water, bread, food. And, and your mind begins to play on you wanting these certain things. So if you're hungry, and, and have you ever been hungry and you go to bed hungry? You ever dreamt about eating? Right? Your, your body is playing these things um, in your mind so that maybe to wake you up, that you need something to eat, that you need something to drink, or you need to drink something because you're thirsty. Dreams can come because one is hungry or one is thirsty and they need a, uh, you need to get up. Um, a thirsty man dreams that he is drinking in the night. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 8. A hungry man dreams 
that he is eating, but he's awakened and his hunger remains. Isaiah 28, uh, 29, verse 8. Um, Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They all are mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. And they love to sleep. Dream. Dream of what? Isaiah 56.10. Dream of things that they would like to do that they can't do. So dreams are here in the biblical text in Genesis to show us God's loyal love, God's kindness, God's supernatural care, namely for the nation of Israel and also for the life of Joseph and then even our life as we look at it from the, for, uh, from the church level as we see it, the finished biblical book for us. Dreams are prophetic for the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, but because we have the sure foundation of Scripture from bookend to bookend, the good thing is that we have what? We have the fullest measure of truth right here in God's Word. And everyone should say amen to God's Word. All the books right here. All the verses that we need for life. Let me give you one more. Number three, God's assured hope in times of trouble. That's the third thing I want you to look at this text in chapter uh, 40. God shows us that he has an assured hope in times of trouble. Verse 14, chapter 40, says this. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me this kindness. Same word. Same word in verse 39, where, where God says that he is with Joseph, and he's causing all these things to succeed in Potiphar's house. God is going with Joseph and extending his benevolent kindness and mercy and loyal love over Joseph's life. And so the very same word Joseph uses to the cupbearer, oh, if you would just remember me when you get out of this pit, when you, when, you, when you get back to your position, would you be so kind to let the king, the pharaoh, know that, that I'm a Hebrew? And this is the very first time as we look at the narrative of Joseph's life where he comes out in lament. And you know what a lament is, where sorrow and complaint comes out. And he says, I'm a what? I'm a Hebrew. I, I don't belong here. For Verse 15, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this very pit, this prison. God gives us assured hope. And because in verse 20 through 23, on the third day, which Pharaoh's birthday was made, a feast for all the servants lifted up their head, the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer, his position, and placed him the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted. Look at the last verse. And yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Have you ever been forgotten? Has someone ever made a promise to you and they forgot to carry out that promise? You've been betrayed, haven't you? You've been maligned in many ways. And, it, and it's like a, a sword has pierced your heart and you grow weary and you grow bitter because every time you see that individual, it's a reminder of what they did to you. And he goes another month, another week, 
another season, sitting where? In the pit, wondering, will this person whom I told the dream to, will he ever remember? Will he ever remember and communicate to his boss, his king, his ruler, that I've been treated unfairly, that I've been mistreated? Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, God gives us assured hope in times of trouble. It's his kindness. It's the same kindness that he gives to Joseph in, in verse 39. His steadfast love and, 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 and favor goes before Joseph, so it goes before your life. And he speaks into your life right now through your situation, and he gives you hope for tomorrow. He gives you hope even for today. He is there with you. And that gives us five things that we want to work through um, over these next uh, few moments left. Five truths that you need to know that God is there and he's delivering you from a pitiful dream that you might be experiencing right now. It's actually like, I cannot believe I'm going through this, Joel. Right now, you don't even know what I'm going, I don't know what you're going through. Isn't that the truth? I don't know what you're, what you're going through. You don't know what's, uh, what I'm going through, right? But we do have this in Scripture that when we weep with one another, there's unity amongst the body of Christ. When people are rejoicing, we're to what? We're to rejoice. When people are sorrowful, we're to what? We're to weep and be sorrowful with them, with the hope that God's good intentions would be made manifest in their life. Number one. Know this, like in Joseph in verse 21, of the Lord is with you at all times. The Lord is with you at all times. Though there be no fruit on the vine, nor cattle in the stall, be like Habakkuk, and he says, I will what? I will rejoice in God my Savior. What will you do? When you go through difficult days and difficult seasons, know that who is with you? God. you believe that? God is with you even when you don't see the fruit, even when you don't see the cattle. For we have scripture that says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever what? I ever forsake you. And then we have the words, the sure hope of our foundation, be strong and very courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. Number two, he gives us success even during great hardship. He gives you success. For with Joseph, he was given success, so he will for us in this very life. God is with Joseph. God is with his work. And God is granting Joseph great success. Know who is granting him success. It wasn't Joseph. It was who? God. And God goes before you in your work. God will bless you in the work that you do. And if you do it from a pure heart, God will bless you. For we have the sure promises of Scripture that goes before us as well, as well and, and tells us over and over that when you do this work unto me, you're doing it unto who? Unto the Lord. Don't do it for men pleasing. <laughs> I get a pat on the back. I get extra money. You do it because the work that God has called you to do is, is beautiful work, is a noble work, is a, is a good calling upon your life. And so 
the Lord is the one who gives success in verse 23 of chapter 39. Number three, the Lord proves his word over and over in chapter 40. Look at chapter 40, verse 8. He proves his word over and over again. They said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. He realizes that. When God shows up and he gives them visions and dreams, he knows these things are from the Lord. And when God is wanting them to see something, he is surely wanting them to understand something as well. And so God shows up. God shows up in these two men's life. God shows up in Joseph at, at a young boy of 17. And we go into the scriptures even more, and we see at the young age, Samuel hurries from the Lord over three times while he was sleeping. And God calls Samuel to be a prophet. Over and over of scripture, God shows up through his word, and we can have the sure hope that his kindness and his loving kindness and faithfulness throughout all times is part of his covenant promises to then remind us that he is the Lord of all, of all. But the Lord proves his word. Know this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Here it is. Scripture fulfilled through the lips of Joseph, through the scriptures written down for our instruction. And let me give you two more. Number four, the Lord cares for his own. He cares for Joseph, who's part of the covenant community of God, part of the chosen family. God is caring for Joseph. It, even doesn't, it doesn't look like it, but it's showing, it's giving us glimmers of hope for the chapters to come. And let me give you some encouragement. Look at the birds of the air that neither nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you more valued than they? He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. He will guard you. He will keep you. He cares for his own. And lastly, the Lord delivers always on his promises. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding, you should say, yes. Are you happy for that? All of God's promises, all that which he's recorded in Scripture are for who? Us. Yes, Lord. They find their yes in him. So right now, you might be going through some difficult moments, difficult days. And I hope you're not the, cup, the, the baker who gets hanged. Well, that'd be a sorrowful story, wouldn't it be? And, and I think the, the, the people you are being shown to be is either the cupbearer or who? Or Joseph, who get restored. But there are those people who are the bakers who actually end their what? Their, the tragedy is the end of their life. And really, God wants to show that, that even in that difficult moment, there are people who will end their life today through a lot of tragedy and hardship through a lot of persecution, through a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain. Fanny Crosby, in 1875, wrote this song, one of my favorite hymns of the faith. It's titled, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. She writes this, All the way my Savior leads me, what have I asked besides? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? 
heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith to dwell. For all I know, whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know, whatever shall befall me, Jesus will do all things well. Let's pray. Father, we um, thank you that your hand is um, ever so on this passage of Scripture for Joseph. Uh, Not just for Joseph, these other two men. Next week we learn from Pharaoh, your hand was even on his life to reveal to them dreams. Dreams that communicated your revelation. Dreams that communicated your prophetic utterances that in many ways were warnings to them. Warnings of forthcoming judgment, warnings of future blessing. And God, might you help us as we uh, think about the difficulties of life that are before us, for there are many to count, those pitiful stories of pits that we are in. Might we rise out of the pit knowing that you are a God of kindness and mercy, steadfast love abounding for generations and generations. And Lord, that you do all things well even the most difficult moments of our lives. Uh, We'll be sure to praise you uh, in the end when we arrive out of the pit. And even in the pit, might we sing forth your praise and your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.